Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC. John Coleman. Dio, what is popping? I'm fired up. I like I'm in that a great shirt. Is that a textured shirt? That looks like corduroy. Is it textured or is it just the pattern? Well, you want to feel it? I'm are you looking for a reason up. to caress my no, chest? Is it? Is it corduroy? I don't think. No, it's not corduroy. It's, is it Tom James? It's probably Perry Ellis. Mm. No, it's not Tom James. This is Off the Rack Jack. Is it? Yeah. In fact, that may be the brand name. Off the, the Rack, rack Jack. Jack. Yep. What about, you don't, you don't do the uh, initials on your cufflinks? Type thing? I am not a fan of that. Mm. I find that'd be pretentious. It's a little bit. Snooty. It is. Snotty. Oh, as, as if I need help with my own initials. Why do people do that? Here's the problem. They sometimes write it in a uh, font I that can't I, read can't, it. I can't even read it. Is that a letter? Is that a cursor? What is yeah, that? I'm like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. It's just some scribbles. It's kind of like I had this tattoo on my back that I got with two of my best friends. Supposedly, it's a Chinese symbol for friendship. Okay. But you never know. No, it could be I eat boogers. I have <laughs> no idea, have what, no it idea says, what it says. But when I was 21 years old, it sounded like a good idea. At the time. Let's all get the same tattoo. Let's get it put in the same place. What should we get? I don't know. Chinese symbols look cool. It might even be cha- Chinese. Yeah, it Love, could be laugh, Japanese. Live. I don't Jesus. even know. Jesus. I don't even know, John. So, but I, I appreciate you calling out. You know, Yeah, it looks nice. My favorite part about this shirt is the socks almost match. Do you they? can't see it because my feet are hidden underneath the um, table. Expensive table. Or you can't see it because you're probably tuned in on Spotify, on Apple. Podcast. Podcast. Mm-hmm. Google Play, Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Because some people I've found, they, they like to consume our content via audio. Yep. Others, they go straight to YouTube. Weirdos. Yeah, they, <laughs> no, they, they forgot that John Coleman created a YouTube channel. Oh, word. He threw up a couple lights, a couple cameras, mm-hmm. and he spliced it together. Action. A roll, B roll, and let and lets it roll. Yep. So you can actually listen and watch this on YouTube mm-hmm. at the Lone Officer Podcast. Yep. And then if you're into watching things, you can always check out our social media sites. Mm-hmm. Right? We have TikTok, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we even have our own LinkedIn yes. business page. Yes. And we put clips. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're serious, but they're highlights of what mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. And occasionally John will get super creative with some kind of an infographic. Holy cow, I hope that person who got hurt isn't that hurt. Like, can you hear that? Yeah, it's a lot of traffic. Man, man, they have fire engines going out mm-hmm. right outside of the office uh, studio here. And sometimes when I'm out doing personal stuff, I'll even hop on the IG. Yeah, respond to I'll give folks. a little glimpse. No, I'll give oh. a little glimpse of what's going on in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. you can follow us. We are at the Loan Officer Podcast. Yes. If you ever want to communicate with us. Look him up on Google. His name is first name John, last name Coleman, or what we affectionately call to is JC or just John. And I am Dustin Owen. And the easiest way Mm -hmm. to get a hold of me is via LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. If you send me a message via IG, John and I do check that and we do Mm -hmm. respond. Same thing with Facebook, although Facebook's the most difficult social media platform. They're changing the algorithm every other month. But but even like, I feel like messages won't come to us and then it's like two or three weeks or months pass. And then they'll be like popping up left and right. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I'm so sorry I didn't respond to you sooner. <laughs> so that's why we try to tell people, look, LinkedIn's very easy. LinkedIn's Instagram's not that hard. IG's the way. Anything out, outside of those two things, even IG things get hidden. Yeah, and then sometimes I have to click accept to let a message come through, then I try to respond. But yeah. I did a lot of that this weekend because yeah. I was stuck down in Miami. Shout out Miami. Not really. I know. <laughs> not really. I'm just not a fan. Yeah. Unless you can like transport me or what's it called when you like teleport, te- teleport me right to South Beach yeah. or right to Key Biscayne. It's such a long drive. The drive's terrible. Horrible. And 
I just, it's, the it's, vibe. You're not vibing with it. No. No, I was down there for like a 17 year old, 16 year old volleyball mm, tournament. That could have been it. So I was in some very industrial areas mm. right off of 95. Oh, you're playing like under the overpass, like where they filmed Scarface. That's where you were. No wonder you didn't like it. You got to go to a Brickle. I'll take you down there next time. You'll take me to Brickle? East. Okay. I don't, I don't know anybody. Well, you know what? You and I are supposed to go down there in April or May. You know that, right? For some convention. Jackson reminded me. What was that? What was it for? Oh, F1. F1. Yes. Yeah. So when we go to F1, will you help me plan that so that we don't yes. stay where, wherever I stay? I, I, I didn't. I was in two different parts of Miami and neither part was I like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to come back. Now, I will tell you the area that the University of Miami is in. Uh-huh. Coral Gables. Yeah. Nice. nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, you tell me Brickle. Brickle's the only place to go. And then I'm sure South Beach has its... Its spots. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll have to try that okay. out. Let's go, yeah. But can we do that with a 17-year-old in tow? Because no, we're taking Jackson no, with us. No, I'm not doing... No. Well, we are. Well, he... We'll okay, well, you'll have your own car. You'll have your own room. You do you, do I'm you looking John, out for after you, man. midnight. I'm looking out for you, man. You do you after midnight. All right, sounds good. And in the meantime, let's do our listeners... We're going to do a listener request today. Okay, yes, it is. Yeah, you told me not. I didn't tell oh, yeah, you. I had, it on the, I had it in the notes right here. It was a okay. listener request. Um, let me see, is there a name? I think it was from Todd. Did I say it was from Todd on, Todd on YouTube? Switching from a refi market to a purchase market. Okay, so shout out to Todd, you think? You yeah. think the guy's name is Todd? You want to like double check? You want to slide down there real yeah, quick, John? I'll look. I'll look. See, this is real time. This is real stuff. This is like a real yeah, show. Yeah, no, this is how we do this. This is as much preparation <laughs> that goes in. Yeah, Todd from YouTube. Okay, like yep. typically JC comes in, he sits down, and I'm like, oh, shit, we're supposed to podcast today? <laughs> Literally today. He's I like, watch. yeah, it's on the calendar. I said, how later? He's like, you told me we we're going to start like a half hour ago. I was like, well, you know me. So then John sits here patiently, gets everything set up while I continue to do other things. What's well, getting you wound up. It's all part of the process. It's all part of the process. And then we sit down and he basically gives like three or four suggestions. <laughs> yeah. Hey, these are things that either I randomly yelled out to John mm-hmm. throughout the week. Correct. Hey, we should do a show on that. Yeah. Or this one was a uh, listener. Yeah. And the listener's name it's, is Todd. It, it is Todd. I, okay. I wrote it down. So Todd. Todd commented on YouTube. Yep. And he wants us to discuss transitioning yeah. from a refi market into a purchase market. Yeah. Beautiful. Nice. Todd, I should I should buy you a beer the next time I see you. Nice. Which the next time she'll probably be the first time. Yeah, I hope so. But because um, it's going to let me go down various rabbit holes. Your favorite. My favorite. My favorite. Too. My favorite. Yeah. All right. So let's roll. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm going. Wind go. me up and let me go. Yep. First and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, your business, if you want it to be sustainable and long term, will always be focused on the purchase business. I don't care if and when rates go back down to two and a half, which wink, wink, nod, nod. We very well could see that as early as November of 2022. Mm. We focus on the purchase business. And the reason why we focus on the purchase business is because mortgage interest rates, whether they're two and a half percent or 12 and a half percent, will not dictate people getting married, getting divorced, doing job transfers, having babies, Mm -hmm. retiring, downsizing, all the life events that transpire that force people to buy or sell real estate is not determined by whether or not interest rates are two and a half or 12 and a half. Now, granted, if rates are 12 and a half percent, we have an issue. Mm -hmm. Like Houston, there's a problem. But let's speak realistically. Between two and a half percent and six and a half percent is not going to mandate whether or not someone goes through a life event. And when people go through life events, as long as they are in an area where they plan on staying for a minimum of three, but preferably five years. And as long as their income is sustainable and, and, and they can they can uh, count on it, mm-hmm. 
they should probably look at owning a home. So we should always, as mortgage professionals, focus on the purchase business. So that when years like 2020, 2021 roll around, all that means is that we went from being 80% purchase to maybe 60% purchase. We saw our volume surge, right? A 20 or a 25% increase in your volume. I would call that a surge. And that was market driven. Those are the years that maybe we fly first class instead Mm -hmm. of business or coach. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the reason why you went with the Accord over the Civic when you had to buy your new car or you went Acura over Honda, right? Like maybe those are the years that you make up for not saving smartly throughout your 20s. Right. Maybe those are the years that you get ahead of paying off your student loans, depending on where you are in life. Like some of our listeners are fairly new out of college. Well, if you focus on the purchase business your first two or three years and you enter into a refi market, it doesn't mean you walk away or you turn a blind eye or turn your back on the purchase. No, you're still all in on purchase. You just work the extra hours to also capitalize on what the market is giving you, which is low interest rates, which help refinances. And those are the years that if you are younger in life, Maybe you take that money and you finally have six months reserves and you can pay down your student loans. Mm -hmm. For those of us that are maybe later in life, maybe those are the years that we can get caught up on not contributing to things like IRAs or 401ks the way we should have in our 20s. And for those of us that are even further along and maybe we've done really well and we're out of the whole student loan uh, debt game and we're out of the we don't have six months reserve game and we're pretty much on point with where we need to be with, with retirement savings. And we like to vacation. Maybe that's when we use a refi year or years, mm-hmm. 2020 and 2021. And we're able to then either fly, fly first class when we do travel or add an extra trip mm-hmm. or maybe bring some guests. Yeah, right. Those are things that you can do. So I think that's that's the first thing is the mindset going into this career is you should always be purchased on the uh, focus on the purchase business because it's the most sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's something that you can rely on. It'll carry you through the next decades where when loan officers, and even mortgage companies focus on refis, they're constantly having to chase the next best thing. They're constantly having to reinvent themselves. Yeah. They also see the the peaks and the valleys, the highs and the lows. Mm. Let's eliminate that. Let's focus on the purchase. Focus on, on the, the purchase. Per- Question for you. Um, yes. when, I, when I hear that, are there some institutions and brokerages and I guess companies that only do refis? Oh my goodness. Yes, refis are low hanging fruit. The reason why people love refinances, it doesn't matter if you close it in three weeks or three months. For the most part, you're not going to leave someone high and dry and homeless if you don't necessarily close them quickly. Also, you don't have like contractual closing dates and you eliminate various people from the transactions. More importantly, a seller, a seller's agent and a buyer's agent, right? They get eliminated. Those are people when you're focused on the purchase business that end up becoming more work because there are more mm-hmm. people you have, you have to be accountable to, more people you have to update. Are doing refis easier than? So doing refinances in, in one essence, they are easier. They're easier in the, in the standpoint that you can't really screw up a refinance. Yeah. Like if a refinance gets denied, that person's not homeless. Mm-hmm. If you tell someone you can finance them on a purchase and they tell their landlord that they're getting out and the landlord's already re-rented that house or apartment to someone else for more money. That's bad. And then their loan gets denied. Yeah, you done screwed up that person's life. And you pissed off some people in the market. 
more importantly, a seller, a seller's agent, mm -hmm. and, a, and a listing agent. Mm -hmm. And you cost that person money, not just on an appraisal, but also on a home inspection. So, and now they still have to move, but now they're moving into another apartment or, yes. Yeah, so, so in, in the essence that refis are easier, they're easier on that standpoint. But you know where they're not easier and why personally I love purchases? Refinances aren't easy because A, it's a commodity. It comes down a lot of times to what's the cheapest. Mm. And, and if someone's not in a hurry, they can commoditize what we do. And there's no sense of urgency. There's no buy-in from the consumer. Right, if a customer apped with me and I locked them in and it's under a purchase, they know they only have 25 or 35 days mm -hmm. and we got to close or else they're going to lose the deposit. They're going to lose the house. Mm. So when I say I need a new pay stub, they get me a pay stub. When I say <laughs> I need you to go get homeowner's insurance, they get it. Mm -hmm. When it's a refinance, ah. correct. It's like, well, little Johnny had a soccer tournament and then I had an opportunity to go to a concert and then and then and then and it's like three weeks have passed. Your interest rate lock is going to lock is going to expire, mm -hmm. and I'm nowhere close to even getting you soon into processing. And then, if I want to try to ask you to pay for that interest rate lock extension, you're going to tell me to go pound sand, and you'll just go to another lender. <laughs> yeah. So then I'm on the on the hook for a trying to get you closed by your interest rate lock extension date, or paying for your interest rate lock extension, and trying to get you to buy in. Hmm. So, <laughs> on the standpoint of consumer buy-in, I love purchases. Mm -hmm. And the standpoint of having less people involved in transaction and dates not really mattering, well, yes, a, a purchase could be easier. Mm. Um, but he, here's where, where where purchases was, a refinance is gonna be easier because you're not gonna have to deal with, with yeah, purchase. Sure. A purchase will be easier because you have buy-in, you have contractual closing dates that, that the consumer has to the be The consumer wants to work with you to get you the ducks because they yes. want to get in the house. And it's less of a commodity. Right when it's a purchase. Like a purchase is like, no, I can get you done. I can get you done on time. I'm the reason why you're gonna get your offer accepted. When you're one of eight offers and you see my company's letterhead and you see my NMLS number and you look me up, you're like, yeah, this guy and his company know what they're doing. They're a big name in my market. Mm -hmm. If they say that they can get the job done and I'm a listing agent and I'm consulting with my seller, then they may move my buyer's offer to the top. So therefore, there's more of a reason for that buyer to work with me or that borrower to work with me than just my rate and my fees. Mm -hmm. it, it's going to come down to my reputation, my professionalism, my ability to get something not just closed, but closed on time. And I communicated to all parties throughout the transaction. I communicated, I have a system and a process in place to communicate with listing agents, buyers, agents, title companies, and the borrower all throughout the process. So they are up to speed with what is going on, where we are, what milestones are we recently um, going to hit, which milestones do we still need to hit? What comes next? Mm -hmm. As a great loan officer, I handle all of that and I handle it well. Nice. All right. So what's the exact question we're trying to solve for again? No, I, just think I don't want to go down any more rabbit holes. No, but, so I guess the question is, so let's say uh, you're an LO and most of your business has been refi, is a refi business. Yes. And then you need to transition or you want to transition into doing more pur purchase focus. Is that, let's say, deeper water? Let's say I've been so accustomed to doing refis all day and now I'm taking purchases, but kind of get like a deer in the headlights, like what's going on? I have all these new yes, asterisk things, things I never really had to prepare for or deal with. Like you said, when I did with refis, but now I'm doing purchase and I have all this stuff. I don't know where to start. Uh, uh, kind of. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. And that was the actual question. And before I answer it, I want anyone listening to know it's not a bad place to start doing refis. 
it's a great way to cut your teeth. Like we've had Kevin Murphy on this mm-hmm. on this show. Kevin was for those that haven't watched that episode because it was so long ago, <laughs> he was my assistant that I hired ten years ago. Now today, Kevin's one of the top originators in the country. He's one of the top originators at Waterstone Mortgage. I think this year he'll close right under fifty million in volume. Mm-hmm. And when I was teaching Kevin the business, the easiest way for him to learn was by doing files, but I wouldn't hand him purchase files. I threw him refis. Yeah. And the reason why I threw him refis is at the end of the day, you can't, can't mess it up. You can't, can't screw up a refi. You can't screw it up. You very rarely, like in a, in, a, in a unique situation, right? Hey, this person is doing a cash out refi and they have this debt. They have to get paid off by a certain date. If not, they go to jail. Oh, wow. You could screw that up. <laughs> yeah. Or it's, it's a divorce situation. It has to get done by a certain date. If not, you know, it's going to jeopardize her buying her new house and him buying his new house, or I'm doing a cash out refinance to help them buy another property. And that property that they're, that they're buying has a contractual closing date. Okay. Other than those unique, rare situations, you can't really screw up a refi. But when you are transitioning, first and foremost, you need referral sources. Let's start there, mm-hmm. right? He or she that controls the lead controls what? The money. Yeah. The purse strings. <laughs> yeah. If you want to make a lot of money in any business, bring in the leads, bring in the business, bring in the revenue and demand that you're paid appropriately because that is the hardest part. The hardest part is bringing in the client. So you are going to have to figure out how you are going to create the number of leads that you need. I will tell you that a good rule of thumb is you should close 20% of every purchase lead that gets referred to you. Now, I'm not talking about purchase leads you buy. We did a show on buying leads, and I have my my whole take on that. Mm -hmm. But if you're having realtors and builders and past clients in your circle of influence, divorce attorneys and HR managers and CPAs and financial advisors, those types of folks that you are marketing your services to and they're referring you, then you should close 20% of every referral. Now, if you're newer at this game, it may be 15%. If you're more experienced, it may be 25%. But rule of thumb is 20%. You should know that. So you need to figure out as a loan officer, what do you need to do to go out and generate the number of leads that you need to close the number of transactions to make the money you want to make? If you want to close four loans a month because your average loan size is 250 grand, that means you're, you're, you're closing a million dollars in volume. Your comp plan is 125 basis points. Well, then you're making 12,500 or roughly 150 grand a year. Hmm. Okay. Like you need to be able to do that math. Well, how do you go get 20 loans? If may, if your comp plans want not 125 and it's a hundred, then okay. It's 10 grand a month. It's 120 grand a year. Is, is that the money you want to make? Or do you want to make more? If you want to make more, you need to generate more leads. Mm-hmm. So then just use that same math and bump it up to 30 leads, bump it up to 40 leads, but always use a 20% conversion. Hmm. Well, how do I generate that many leads? I'm going to tell you that you will need to go out and get belly to belly and face to face with at least 100 referral sources. So I talk a lot about the 12 week challenge early, early, early on, John, if you remember, we did an episode on this, like one of the first episodes we ever did. It probably would bear us doing it again Mm -hmm. at some point, re-recording it. But the 12 week challenge basically is teaches people how to, within 90 days, have 60 one-on-one appointments. Well, Let's take the 12 week challenge and let's bump it out as long as we need to make it a 20 week challenge so that you can do 100. You need 100. Because look, at the end of the day, not everyone is going to like you. You're not going to like everybody. Not everyone's going to be able to refer to you at the magnitude you need them to refer you, even if they do like you and you like them. 
get out there and you meet with a hundred people. Mm -hmm. You figure out how you can bring value to their work life. Yep. In exchange, you ask them to bring value to your life by trusting you enough with their circle of influence, with their clients, with their um, customers, yeah. so that they feel good enough about referring you. Like that's the first thing, you have to lead generate. Yeah. Okay. The second part of this, like how do you transition from a refi market into a purchase market? Mm -hmm. You better be damn good at getting loans closed on time. Mm. You, you need to be able to manage a pipeline. You need to be able to set proper expectations and you need to know the actual file flow from taking a, an application to locking a loan, to disclosing it, to getting it submitted to processing, to getting it submitted to underwriting, how many touches, is it a one-touch file, a two-touch file, a three-touch file, how long are appraisals are taken in your market, are they taking two weeks, three weeks, or four weeks, and can you get loans closed in 30 days, on time, every time, and can you proactively communicate throughout the process? Mm. We talked about theme days, again, on a very, very right. old episode. Yeah. Theme days will teach you that you need to do Tuesday status, status update. update calls. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's proactive communication. Gotcha. That's a reason a realtor is going to want to work with you. That's a reason why that listing agent is going to say that was a great experience because you as a loan officer, every single Tuesday are going to reach out to the buyer, the buyer's agent, the seller, and the title company with a proactive update with what's going on. Well, you can only do that if you sit down on Monday and do a pipeline meeting with your processor and your processor's manager. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to know what the proper flow is for a file going through the system. Mm -hmm. Like if you and your client take three weeks to gather everything that's required to get it to processing, and then the processor needs three days and underwriting needs three days, and you're trying to get something closed mm -hmm. in 21 or 28 days, you can't do that. Yeah. You need to know, well, how much time can, am I given? And then how much time do I give my processor? And then how much time do I give the underwriter? Then how much time do I need to give the, the closing department? And then how, how much time is an appraisal taking, right? And you, so the way I like to work is backwards. Yeah. I like to start with my closing date and I say, okay, I need to have a final CD at least 24 hours before my closing date. And then I need to have a initial CD sent out four days at a minimum from my closing date. And at my company, because each company is different, mm -hmm. you need to know, well, does your company even send out initial CDs if you don't have a clear to close? Some do, some don't. Mm -hmm. You then need to know how long am I taking an underwriting? What's the average touch, right? You don't just submit a file to underwriting and have it clear to close. You send a file to underwriting, gets conditionally approved. You then have to spend a couple of days getting those conditions. Then you resubmit. Hopefully at that point you get your clear to close. So you have to know in your assembly line how long do things take? And then throughout the process, you have to monitor that. You have, you actually have to track it. Yeah. And be like, wait a minute. Hey, processor, how come we haven't submitted to underwriting yet? And the processor may say, because I don't have X, Y, and Z back. Okay. Yeah. Let, can, can you help out getting X, Y, and Z? Does your processor have it under control? Yeah. Do you need to get the realtor involved? Like, these are things that you need to be doing. Are, are, are there the same amount of steps, like one-to-one -one from like, you know, uh, purchase, process flow versus like a refi, like under contract, clear close, conditional approval, are there the exact same one one? Are there less steps? Yeah, yeah, nay. Okay. Right, like there's certain things that you don't have to do on a refinance, right? A refinance typically doesn't have to, you don't need a survey. Now mm -hmm. I'm talking about the state of Florida. Some some states don't even get surveys. In the state okay. of Florida, you're getting a survey on everything, okay. except for condos, because right. there's no land. So you can't really survey something that has no land. Right. Um, <clears throat> home inspections, although 
Most loans do not require a home inspection. In fact, only a VA loan would require a WDO or wood destroying organism. Mm -hmm. A most buyers are going to get a home inspection. A lot of buyers don't want to order the appraisal until they've done the home inspection. That makes it difficult in a market like we're in, where it's taking three weeks mm -hmm. to get an appraisal back. Mm -hmm. Assuming I don't have a PIW or you know I don't have some kind of a waiver where I can just do a desktop appraisal. And so yeah, so you 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 have to know if the buyer says, "Hey John, I don't want to order the appraisal until I get the inspection back." You may need to put your foot down and say, "Ma'am or sir, you only have 28 days, and right. that's not going to work." Yeah. Like you're going to have to either extend out your closing date or you're going to have to just let me order your appraisal now. Right. Or you have one day to get your home inspection done. Yeah. You, have, you have one day. You have one day because it. I can't submit your file for clear to close without having an appraisal back. And if it's taken 21 days on my market to get an appraisal and you wrote a 28-day contract, mm. like what happens if the underwriter underwrites your appraisal and they have conditions for the appraiser to go make comments? Yeah. Well, it could take two or three days for those, a refinance, none of that matters. None of that matters. On a purchase, we have contractual dates. So yeah, you have to be able to read the contract. Yeah. You have to be able to know what, it's, what does that contract say? Mm. And there's definitely some pitfalls. Like for example, if a realtor starts writing in the contract things about uh, repairs, well, you as a lender need to know that you now have to verify those repairs were done. If an underwriter, if underwriter, if a realtor makes a contract contingent upon a home inspection, mm -hmm. there's a big difference between someone being a contingent upon a home inspection or the right to inspect. Mm -hmm. The right to inspect means John Coleman, you and your wife can inspect this property. You have this many days to maybe get out of the contract if you don't like the inspection. Okay. But it doesn't mean that you're only going to buy it if it passes inspection. The, if an underwriter were to write a contract, which none of them should do this. Everyone, everything should be with the right to inspect. But if it's contingent, mm -hmm. contingent means now me, we as a lender have to see the results. You do not want to show an underwriter, I promise you, the results of a home inspection. Do you know what a home in inspector's job is? To find problems and things that can go wrong. Yes, that's what you're paying him or her to do. <laughs> yeah. Like they, you want them to point out all the flaws. Yeah. But you don't want to show that to an underwriter. Now all of a sudden they're going to request those flaws be remedied. Mm. That would jeopardize your closing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely some things that transpire on a purchase that just don't transpire in a refinance. And a lot of those are contractual dates. Loan approval must have loan approval by this date. Must have appraisal by this date. Must have clear to close by this date. You have your financing contingencies, your inspection mm. contingencies, your appraisal contingencies. So yes, you as a loan officer need to be able to have your own system to track those dates and make sure that you're not doing something that could jeopardize your client, the buyer, the borrower, mm -hmm. from ever being able to, to financially back out of a contract if they needed to. Hmm. Right? You also have to make sure that upfront, you didn't willy-nilly the pre-approval. Hmm. Like, think about it. Like, I was taught as a young kid, son, your word is your bond. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right? Go, you know what? My pre-approval is my bond too, John. Yeah. My pre-approval is my bond because my name is on that. Ironclad. If it's my name, then it's my word. Mm -hmm. And I was taught what? My word is my bond. You should only send out pre-approval letters if you are willing to bet your life that that is going to go through. If you're not, look, you're not doing the purchase world any favor. You're not ready for a purchase market. You need to stay as a refi king or queen. The problem is if you stay as a refi king or queen, you won't have longevity in this industry.
and you must become a financial consultant, which by the way, even as a refi person, you should be a, take a financial approach to this. Refinance is the best way to reset and reorganize people's debts. So it's a great way to help them further save for retirement, further save for six months reserve. So you must become a student of the financial world, financial literacy, general financial literacy. I can't preach this enough. Dave Savage and I talked about a lot on the episode that we did with Dave a few weeks back. It is paramount. If you want to be a true professional and have longevity in this industry, I will not stop harping about this. You need to take the approach of a financial advisor. You're not a financial advisor. You're not going to help them with life insurance or you're not going to help them with their IRA or their 401k or any of that. But you need to understand the, the practical, practical principles of personal finance, of wealth creation, wealth generation. And, and you need to take that approach. That doesn't really differentiate between purchase or refi. All right. It just, it just doesn't. Right. Um, and then you need to always be the three option lender, right? You, you need to give options. You need to be the educator. You need to let people know what they qualify for, how you're going to qualify them. When you say that you're going to do it, it means you're going to do it because your words your bond. If not, you're leaving this person in, in a world of hurt, potentially, mm-hmm. potentially homeless, potentially out a few grand. Right. And then you have a, a seller who may use, lose their, their, I'm not, well, the seller may lose their home, yeah. right? Because they were waiting to sell their house to buy the new home. Yeah. You have a seller's agent who may lose the client, which means they lost the commission. They did all that work to find a seller who's willing to use them. They marketed the home. They chose your buyer's offer. It's just, it's a dick move yeah. to ever put out a haphazard pre-approval letter. Hmm. Well said. Yeah. Any other further questions on this particular topic? Like anything, anyone tuned in that maybe I didn't answer that that I, I could have answered for them? Not, do you know, uh, just, I'm curious now, other other LOs that don't do any refis that just focus on 100% purchase? Well, yes, and you know what's crazy? When I get an opportunity to coach them, I chew their rear ends a little bit. Really? Yes, you're leaving money on the table. You're not taking advantage of what the market has given you. Like, it's asinine. That's like when my son doesn't choose to do extra credit or test corrections or redo an assignment because he said, dad, bees are okay. I'm like, yeah, but Arizona state might not think bees are okay. You know, UC Santa Barbara may not think bees are okay. Yeah. So if you're a mortgage loan originator and you're only doing purchases, you're leaving money on the table. I would coach you. If you're newer in the business, you should be 80, 20, 80% purchase, 20% refi. If you've been at this 10 plus years, in a market like this, you should be 60, 40, 70, 30. And it's not 60, 40, like it's 60% purchase, 40% refi, 70% purchase, 30% refi. And it's not because you're not focusing on purchases. No, you're still all in on purchases, mm-hmm. but you're doing 30 or 40% refi because the market's giving you that. And you are too savvy of a business professional to pass up what the market's going to give you. Because mm-hmm. we don't know what the market's going to give us in 2025. But we know what it's given us now. We know what we can make right now. We're going to work the hours. We're going to grind it out because that's more money we can save. That's more debt we can pay off. That's more lives that we can impact. So, yes, there are loan officers out there that aren't picking up their fair share. And I think they're missing out on opportunity. Hmm. But there are a lot. And by the way, you asked about companies. Yes, there are a multitude of companies that ride that tidal wave of up and down. It's like the bipolar aspect of being a mortgage lender. Last year, they were 80, 90% purchase. Look at the stats for better.com. Look at the stats for rocket mortgage. Look at the stats for all of the big banks. I would bet you one month's commission check 
that they were 80% or greater refinance. What do they do? Just say like no to purchase? Like if they come to the door, just be like, no, pass them off or they don't even generate? They don't, they don't go they don't, after them. They don't, even market they don't go after them right. and, and therefore they're not good at them. Right. And if they're not good at them, then the realtors, when you're in a competitive market and you're getting four, six, 16 offers per home, that realtor representing the seller, he, they know who can get the job done yeah. and who can't. They are looking at the offers, not just with who's offering the most money, but also who can get the job done in the time manner that they want it done by and at the service level that that they expect. And there's many times, I know there's some big banks in my market, realtors laugh at their pre-approval letters and don't even accept them. Yeah, so they they chase refis. Are there some, so that's that's bringing up my final question. when people are, when you do refis, are there compared to purchase, are there different like sales strategies and tactics, like scripts? Like, cause for example, we talk about if you want to drum up business, you go to realtor happy hours or lunch and learns, or you'll go to, um, you'll hold different events. Mm-hmm. But let's say if you're focused on refis, are there any like different strategies and tactics that you do that you can give to like, Hey, if you want to pick up more refis, or if you want to do purchase, you should. Well, the, the refi, a lot of people work refis because they they are maybe newer in the business. Look, it's a, again, it's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. They work for call centers. Gotcha. Right. So if I'm a servicing company, I had this massive servicing portfolio and I paid a lot of money for these loans. I paid a lot of money for these clients and these clients are going to refinance regardless because mm-hmm. the market has moved. Maybe they're at a 4% rate. Their rates are now at three. I paid too much money to get them. It's almost like a defense mechanism. I need to hire a call center mm-hmm. sales team who just let them do the do those refis. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a good place to start. But when you when you when you're focused on refis, rarely are you independent. Rarely you're still working for the man a little bit. Gotcha. Right? You're working for a big bank, you're working for a big servicer, and a lot of times they are supplying the leads. Rocket Rocket Mortgage, they supply the leads through their multi-million dollar ad spend. Mm-hmm. So those professionals who work there, they make a good living, right? Better.com, right? You could work 45 hours a week and crush it and probably make 110, 115 grand a year at better.com if you're one of their top performers, yeah. right? But if you're making 110, 115 grand a year and you're working for companies like Fairway, like Guaranteed Rate, like Waterstone Mortgage, like Guild, like PRMG, you're a middle of the road producer, maybe even a low producer, right? Because those men and women, they're out there and they're self-generating business. They've dominated the purchase market. They have this huge following and their top producers last year were making millions of dollars a year, Hmm. right? That was the top 1%. The top 3% were making two, three, 400 grand a year, Hmm. right? And those people didn't necessarily focus on refis. Now now they could have, maybe they're buying leads. Like you can always buy leads from better, from, um, bankrate.com mm-hmm. or lendingtree.com. But when you do that, please know you're commoditizing yourself, right? We, we did a whole entire yeah. show on like the how to do it well, but why not to do it as yeah. well yeah, yeah. when it comes to, to buying leads. But I wouldn't tell someone there's a strategy except for this strategy for getting more refis. Okay. For that person who's 80, 90, 100% purchase and they've been in the business for five plus years, you're not doing enough annual reviews for your past client database. You need to, every single Wednesday, that's your theme. You need to look at every loan that you've done in November, because we're still in November, and you need to be calling those people and offering them a free annual review. Let them know that a a mortgage needs to be reviewed 
annually because the loan that I did for you when you bought the house might not be the best loan for you today based on your current financial picture. Mm -hmm. So if you're willing to spend 12 to 15 minutes with me on the phone, I can walk through the current market conditions, your current scenario, and let you know whether or not the, the mortgage I helped you with three years ago is the best mortgage for you today. Someone like Patrick Shishayan, who crushes it, he dominates. I mean, dominates his past client reviews. I mean, he's only been in the business five, six years. Yeah. But 40%, 50% of his business is past clients coming back to him. And then I come back to him because he was that amazing. <laughs> we all are pretty darn good. They come back to him because he's amazing at staying in front of them. He's amazing at letting them know, hey, I'm still here to help and we should, we should review your mortgage every year. So that's a tactic or a trick that someone who isn't doing enough refis. Yeah. The tactic and trick for someone who who's doing too many refis is you got to go out there and get good at doing the purchase business. Yeah. Right. And that's that's what what we talked about. I, I don't have any other secret of like how to go get refis if you wanted to. Maybe you go call on some CPAs. Maybe you go call on some financial advisors. Yeah. Right. Because they tend to be able to, to to refer over refi business a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously work your your circle of influence. Yeah. But today's episode was more about how to get someone off the refi tit yeah. and onto the purchase train. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Got it? Yep. All right. Well, if you like what we're doing, he's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. You're tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast. That is all the time we have for you today. But you can catch us on our next episode. In the meantime, feel free to like us, mm -hmm. share us. If you're mm -hmm. on YouTube, comment. Yep. And if you need to get a hold of us, reach out. Awesome. We're accessible. Yep. Awesome. John, thanks for your time. Thank you. People, thanks for your time. Yes, sir. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Deuce. Deuce.